0: in a series uh, uh, taking the Christmas story perhaps from a very different angle than uh, you have uh, thought about it before. When heaven is silent. Christmas time is one of these fantastic, amazing seasons of the year uh, when we celebrate peace on earth, goodwill towards others. And yet, if we're honest, many times During this season, we still experience fear, anxiety, the uncertainty of what's to come. It doesn't just simply alleviate all our problems, even though we celebrate peace on earth. And in fact, sometimes it feels like the most wonderful time of the year can feel like heaven is silent and where is God when heaven is silent. That's what we're talking about. Specifically this morning, when heaven is silent, when it comes to your future, when you have an uncertain future. Because isn't it true so oftentimes that it feels like heaven is silent, like where is God when your future is uncertain, when you have an uncertain tomorrow? Um, Wouldn't it be amazing to know the future? Like if you had a crystal ball and you could say, this is what's going to happen. You knew for certain what was going to happen. Like maybe just one event. Think about if there was one thing that you could know for certain what was going to happen. And for some, it might be your future career. You would want to know for certain what's going to happen there. Maybe it's the business venture that you're taking out. Maybe for some, it's retirement. You're like, am I going to be actually able to retire? Maybe for For others, you're wrestling with the question, to whom will I get married? I would love to know what her name is, what his name is, and is he in front of me or behind? Where is he in this room? Because I think he's in this room, right? Or maybe for some, you're going like, I would love to know how my kids are going to turn out. Or there's a relationship that you're going through that you go, I I would love to see what happens to this relationship. Or maybe, I mean, this is, I think all of us would be here like, wouldn't wouldn't it be amazing to know what's going to happen to our country? (laughs) Our economy as we step into 2017. Life, and we know this, we get this, life is filled with uncertainty, isn't it? Now, here's the interesting thing about uncertainty. Uncertainty... Often leads to anxiety, right? Anxiety is just simply the worrying about what will be. It's just worrying about what will be. Anxiety ultimately produces a fear about what could be, that we begin to fear the possibilities of what could be. And so then we begin to wrestle with this question How do you face an uncertain future? In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Scriptures, there's this writing from this prophet. His name's Jeremiah. It's a very uh, uh, familiar to many uh, saying, often quoted, to a people who have been ripped from their homeland. They're living in a foreign land against their will, in captivity, and wondering about their future. They're living in the midst of an uncertain future. And this is a word from God to those living in an uncertain future to bring hope. It's a word from God to those who are afraid about their future. And here's what the prophet Jeremiah says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you'll call upon me and come pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Translation, even in the midst of the uncertain reality where you're at, God still has an amazing plan for your life, and you don't want to miss it. Even in the midst of being in captivity, and here's the amazing thing about God, it doesn't have to all be working out for it all to be working out in God's economy. But God has an amazing plan for your life, and you do not want to miss it. Now, if you're like me, you may wrestle with this how do i know god's plan is really the best for me in fact i wrestle and have wrestled with it this way but if i like go with god's plan won't he mess up my plan Like, if I really dive in and go, okay, God, you have a plan for my life, but if I do that, you're going to screw up my plan. See, I have a plan for my life, too. And the answer is probably. Probably, if you go with God's plan, he's going to totally mess up your plan for your life. In fact, this morning, we're going to take a look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and see how God messed up her plan for her life. Now, here's what I do know as well. God's plan for your life is way better than your plan for your life. God's plan is most likely not the same as your plan. And that's probably a good thing, even though we wrestle with it where, where we're at. But God's plan is way, way better than your plan for your life. And if we will surrender our plan... We will then experience His best for our life. It doesn't mean that it's pain-free. It doesn't mean that it's trial-free. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy and all roses. But you will experience the very best of God for your life. Why don't you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And we're going to look at how God messed up Mary's plan for her life. The author Luke, a doctor and a historian, starts it this way. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, the virgin's name was Mary. So, here's what you need to know Mary is from Nazareth. Nazareth is a one-stop sign town, not even a one-stop light. It didn't, wasn't big enough for a stop light. It just had a stop sign. It, it, in fact, it's very generous to call it a town. It was a podunk village. Nazareth in the region of Palestine, uh, it, it's one of those places that those outside Palestine had no idea that it even existed. And those inside Palestine just made fun of people who were from Nazareth. People would say this about Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Mary's from a town in Nazareth that if you were from there, you would tell everyone that you weren't from there. Where are you from? Somewhere else. I'd lie. It is the armpit of Palestine. This is Nazareth. This is where she is from. And Mary is waiting to be married to Joseph. Now, in the ancient Near East culture, and this is pretty cool, uh, will help make a lot of sense of, uh, of Jesus' New Testament teaching. And their culture uh, for marriage is, is arranged marriages. And in the betrothal process... You're betrothed to be married. You weren't quite married yet. It was still official. It's as if you are married. It is legally binding. In fact, the only way to uh, break that engagement is a legal document of divorce. And here's what would happen. This is, some of you knew that part, but you probably didn't know this part. Here's what would happen. is In the betrothal process, the husband or the man would go to his home and begin to build an addition to his parents' home because it's a very communal, family-oriented, centric society. Or if they're very wealthy, he would build his own home on the family's property. And so Mary engaged or betrothed to Joseph would then wait and Joseph would go for a year or even more and begin to work and build the house. And when that was finally Finish, then he would come. And Mary had no idea when it was going to be done. She didn't know. For some of you, you you know the date you're going to get married. For some of you, you knew the date you're going to get married. Mary's sitting, waiting until the building is complete, and then her husband's going to come for her, bring her back, and she's just got to be ready at any moment for when her husband comes back, and then they throw a big, week-long party. Now, here's something cool for those of us who have read the teachings of Jesus. When you begin to read his parables and the wedding uh, reality that he talks about the kingdom of God, it, that picture is brought through uh, throughout his teachings. In fact, Jesus would say this Behold, I go and prepare a place for you. That's wedding terminology. Think about this. This is pretty cool. Jesus is talking about the reality that we have in him, this already not yet reality, that we're already his. It's legally binding, but it's not yet brought to consummation. The wedding hasn't quite happened, and he's gone, and we celebrate at Christmas that he came and that we live in this already, but not yet reality, that he's coming again and will restore and make all things right. And Mary, Mary has her life planned. She's awaiting to be married. Mary's waiting to be married. And then God shows up in Nazareth, armpit, Nazareth. Notice, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Mary. The angel answered him, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, interesting to note that word overshadow is also used in all three accounts of the transfiguration of the glory of God coming to rest on the Mount of Transfiguration. Also in the Old Testament, when the glory of God rested on the tent of meetings, for us to realize this is a technical term for the glory of God so that we wouldn't misconstrue this no know. No way to take it as anything sexual innuendo, but a technical term of his glory showing up. Now, So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who we talked about last week, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary said. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. God has an amazing plan for your life. problem is God's plan most likely isn't the same as your plan. Think about it. Mary's plan grew up in Nowhereville, Nazareth, be married, live normal life, God's plan for Mary's life was to bestow upon her the greatest honor humanly possible to bear and be the mother of the Son of God, to cradle in her arms divinity, to care and to nurture, to wipe the nose Help the knee that's been scraped of the one who would come to die for the sins of the world that we might have life. And to be sure, it came with a sacrifice. To be sure, it came with a stigma. To be sure, the moment she said, I am your servant, there was uncertainty because she didn't even know if she, that marriage she'd been planning, if Joseph would still have her. See, God's plan for your life isn't probably your plan for your life, but here's what I can promise you. God's plan for your life is way better than your plan for your life. So what do you do in the midst of an uncertain future? I mean, can you really have confidence when you're not sure how things are going to work out? There's something in this text that, I mean, I've read this passage a hundred times. I grew up, like I said, last week in the church, so read this around Christmas time every year. But there's something this week that I saw that I've never seen before. that I believe can give you and me the confidence even in the midst of uncertainty. Did you know that Mary had the favor of God but was unaware? Like Mary had God's favor and yet had no idea. The angel shows up and says, greetings, highly favored one." The Lord is with you. And then she's freaking out. She's troubled. What kind of greeting is this? And then the angel says, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Mary had the very favor of God. She was walking in Nowhereville, Nazareth, that nothing good came from. And she had no idea that she had the favor of God focused on her life. Now, the favor of God. Here's what the favor of God means. The favor of God means it's this ekeratosin. It means that God has chosen to act on one's behalf. That's what favor means. Favor means that God is actively choosing to work on the other person's behalf for their good and well-being. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. My favor is on you for your good and for your well-being to bring a future and a hope. That is the favor of God acting and working on your and my behalf. And she had no idea she had it. Um, my sons and I—we play a lot of football in the front yard. And uh, a few months ago, we were playing, and it was just um, one of my sons and—and and then his friend. Now, his friend was about a year older than him and about a head taller than him. Physically, he was outmatched. And we were playing in the front yard, and I was the all-time QB. And for those of you who don't know what all-time QB means, it means that the boys are playing against each other, and I'm the person that's the QB for both sides of the ball. Now, I'm not saying what I did was right. I definitely wasn't fair. But when my son ran his routes... I would throw the ball just right, catch him in stride, and I'd be running. Oh, right here, right there, that whole look. When the other boy ran his routes, (laughs) again, I'm I'm not saying this. You may think less of me at this moment. I might have thrown it a little bit behind him. Maybe a little high, maybe a little too hard to handle. Was it fair? Absolutely not. <laughs> Am I sharing this simply to confess and get this off my shoulders? Possibly. <laughs> now, don't miss this. My son on the football field had the favor of his father, and he was completely unaware of it. That the one who was throwing the ball and in control of the game was throwing it to his favor and his advantage. His father was acting on his behalf, though he was unaware of it. His father was acting on his behalf for his good and well-being. And I wonder how many of us are running this life and completely unaware that you have the favor of the father. That the favor of Father, that He is acting on your behalf. I wonder what might change, by the way, if you realized you had the favor of the Father. What perspective on life would change? How you'd begin to pursue and move through life? You see, when you have the favor of the Father, you need not fear for the future. When you have the Father's favor, you need not fear the uncertain tomorrow. Why? The angel said it to Mary. For nothing is impossible with God. That you have a sovereign Father who says, I'm going to leverage all that I have for your good and well-being. That he's completely in control, king of the universe, and you're the object of his affection, and his favor is focused on you. And if you have the favor of the Father, if I have the favor of the Father, I don't need to fear the future. And so I can stand and say, I don't know the future, but I have favor with the one who knows, and that is enough. I don't know how that relationship is going to work out, but I have the favor of my father. And so in that fact, I'll rest. I don't know how that health issue is going to turn out. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen there, but I live as the favored one of the father. And so that's enough for me. Now, this is important because we missed this. We don't work for favor. We walk in favor. We don't work for favor. There's You don't earn it or attain it. You walk in favor. That day on the football field, my son did nothing to earn my favor. He had it simply because he was my son and the kid did not have it, the other kid, simply because he wasn't my kid. It gets complicated when he's playing brothers. But... He did nothing to earn it. He has my favor because he is my son, period. Now, you don't work for favor, but you walk in favor. There's a difference between having favor and walking in favor, by the way. My kids have my favor because I'm their dad and they're my kids. In fact, there's nothing they can do to lose my favor because they're my kid. But there is a difference between having favor and walking in favor. Do not miss this. See, there are times when my kids do not experience my favor, me being able to act on their behalf, because they made choices that are contrary. They stepped outside and began to walk their own path. When they treat someone poorly, they do not get to experience my favor of me acting on their behalf for their good. Why? Not because they lost my favor. Because they're not walking in favor. There's a difference. Well, how do we walk in favor? Two things. To walk in favor, first, we must seek the heart of God. We must seek the Father's heart. We, we often, um, when we pray and talk to God, bring to God what's on our heart. And that's really good and that's really important. But have you ever sought what's on God's heart? Have you ever taken time to go to God and go, God, what, what is it that makes you sad? What is it that that really makes you happy? What is it that your heart beats after? And when you seek the very heart of God, remember the passage in Jeremiah, seek me and you'll find me, search for me with all your heart. Where you begin to seek after God. I've heard it said that if you take care of what's on God's heart, he'll take care of what's on your heart. The first step to walking in the favor of God is to seek God. Seek his heart. Second is to submit, submit to God's will. That you would submit. It is a declaration that God, your plans are better than my plans that your ways are better than my ways. And so I may not know how it's all going to work out, but I'm going to step and follow you. I'm going to surrender my plans and my desires and my will and say, God, you lead the way, you take control. God, your plan is better than my plan. And so I have to submit my plans to God's plans. And here's what happens the minute you do that. You're going to discover quickly there's something in your life you do not want to give up or release control of. It might be a relationship you're in, it might be a habit that you've formed, it might be around your future dreams and desires, your career objectives. Because we still wrestle with this. Because if we really follow God's plan, he's going to mess up my plan. And the answer is probably. And at some point, we have to embrace that, yeah, he probably will mess up your plan. Because his plan's way, way better. You have a perfect heavenly father with whom you are the object of his affection. You have his favor, though you may not have been aware of it, that God is acting on your behalf for you. And so when you have the favor of God, you need not fear for the future. And so you can go, I don't know the future. I don't have it all figured out, but I have favor with the one who knows, and that's enough for me. And so I don't have to work for favor. I will walk in favor. I will seek his heart and submit to his And Christmas. Christmas reminds us it's that loud, resounding reminder for every single one of us that the favor of God doesn't just rest on a select few. The favor of God doesn't just rest on the right people from the right place that say the right things. The favor of God doesn't just rest on the ones who are all the goody two-shoes and seem to have it all figured out. The favor of God is towards all of humanity. That you have the favor of God. That word, when the angel says to Mary, greetings, highly favored one. That word, highly favored It's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's in the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, the church in Ephesus. He uses it in his introduction as he's unpacking that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. He writes this. For he chose us in him before the creation of. Of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace. And then here's our word, which he has freely given. It's the exact same word as highly favored. You can read this another way. His glorious grace, because he has highly favored us, freely given to us in the one he loves. Christmas reveals that you and I, the entire world, has the very favor of God. And so, like like if... If an angel showed up to you tonight, if Gabriel, Gabe, we'll call him Gabe. If Gabe showed up to you tonight, he would open up this way. Greetings. Highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Greetings. Highly favored one. The Lord with you. You have found favor with God. My kids have my favor whether they know it or not, see it or not, feel it or not. I will leverage all that I have for their good and well-being and to be sure as their dad, I have a plan for their life. They don't always like it, but I do. A good plan, not to harm them. That they'd have a hope and a future. Your heavenly Father, when He looks at you, you have favor with your heavenly Father. Whether you see it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not, And He will leverage all that He has for your good and well-being. He's got a plan for you to give you a future and a hope. Well, how do I know? Because He already has. See, God has already leveraged Everything he has in the person of Jesus. God with us. To come and sacrifice and die that we might have life. And for those of us who put our faith in him, we are now children of God. Daughters and sons. That he would spare nothing for us to be with him. Why? Because you are favored. So I think there's two responses this morning. For some, you've never started a personal relationship with God. You didn't know that was even possible. You were unaware that you were favored by God. And this morning, you had received the free gift, which he has freely given us. Well, it's a gift. Christmas reveals it's a gift. And a gift means it needs to be received. It has been offered and extended. And you have to go, I want it. Thank you very much. And you welcome Christ into your heart. See, Christmas reminds us that Emmanuel, God, is not just with us, which is brilliant, but he's for us. You have a God who is for you, who came for you, who died for you, and longs to be with you. And you can start a personal relationship with God through Jesus when you just simply go God I desperately need you would you come into my life and make me new and for others it's the invitation to walk in his favor or you surrender your plans to God's plans and you go okay God God You do have an amazing plan for my life. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it by trying to do my own thing, and I don't want to miss it by thinking my plan's better than yours. And today, I'm going to walk out of this space, out of know, this place, walking in your favor, because I'm going to take all that I am, not part of me, all that I am, and say, have your way. And that minute, those things that pop up, I don't know about that. You go, okay, God, this is the area I'm struggling. This is the area that I need to give to you. It might be your job. It might be your future. It might be your relationship. You just go, okay, this is it. Today, I'm going to walk. I'm going to seek you and submit to your will. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to submit to your will. Would you take a minute and just simply have a conversation with your heavenly father with whom you found favor.